This is episode 73 of the Popcast. This is the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Is it amazing that Maureen is on the podcast or is it truly a miracle this week? It's a miracle. It's pretty much a miracle. The reason for that is because in a few short days, we are moving all of our things to a new home and we are in the midst of packing. Oh my gosh, I never want to move again. That's I will say, I, say. I will say that Maureen arranged for someone to come and pack our kitchen and I said, you know what? We got it. And it, ne- never again. I, I want it set on the podcast. If you have someone who can pack your kitchen for any amount of money, Okay, give, it give wasn't it that much money. And we are aware that we know that this is extremely lazy. We were willing to do it anyway because I have just been very stressed out about this move. We're both obviously working full time. We decided to potty train Caleb a week ago, which he has been doing great. He's like a super champ. Um, but there's just a lot. Well, Maureen has joined me on the podcast. And I after really packing want... two kitchen boxes, yes, you're welcome. And I packed two yesterday. We're, we're doing equal packing, I think. No, Maureen's giving me a look like, you are not doing your share. Okay, I will do some more after we record this tonight. Well, I do want to say that I, I really wanted to do one last podcast because, you know, no more on the bedroom floor. We've been doing this for a year and a half. Now it'll be on the basement floor, probably. That'll be on the basement floor. It'll be somewhere else, and hopefully we can get the sound quality to sound as good. You know, I think initially it might be echoey, but if we do it in the basement, it has carpet down there, so we'll see. But we'll have one more episode next week for you to sort of wrap up 2019, give the best of 2019 from our perspective, things we loved on TV, movies, books, things like that. And then we'll go from there. But before we get there, we have a very special premiere topic tonight. I was joined by a special guest. So we will go to that in just a minute. But before we go to that, Maureen, I wanted to talk through a couple things in our snack bag. Oh, thanks for inviting me. My tummy is full. I'm not hungry. <laughs> no snacks for me tonight. I will say that's like the third or fourth time Maureen's gave, get, said that joke. And I still think it's funny. I genuinely laugh. I thought it was a good good joke. He doesn't often laugh at my jokes either. No. So. But the first snack bag topic, uh, I showed Maureen a trailer for a movie that I thought looked really cool, Wonder Woman 1984. And I said, right before we started recording, Maureen, what did you think of the trailer? Did you watch it? She said, and I quote. Yeah, it looks okay. It looks kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, don't say okay. You said it looks kind of dumb. I think it looks great. So I like the first movie. What it- is the premise? And, and how does... How does she get to 1984? And how does Chris Pine come back? I don't I don't know. So if you haven't seen the first one, uh, spoiler alert, the character played by Chris Pine, he dies. And so apparently he's back in, in the new movie. So I guess it's not that much of a spoiler. I don't know how he comes back. But I think what's cool about the movie is that it's set in Washington, D.C. And they filmed a good portion of it like pretty close to where we live in Alexandria, which is really kind of cool. They filmed at an old mall called Landmark Mall that's like now shut down, but they sort of revitalized it, made it look like the 1980s again. And they showed a bunch of scenes from that in the trailer. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, the 80s part looks cool. Obviously, Gal Gadot looks amazing. Yeah, and Chris Um, Pine, you like him? Yeah, but like weird. What is he doing there? (laughs) And, And like I watched the trailer and was like, what is this about? I have watched the trailer seven or eight times i i i so what is it about i don't know exactly what it's about interesting but but here's the thing about trailers that i think when they're really good they get you to want to see the movie and then they don't tell you anything else because you don't want the story spoiled for you usually in a trailer you know the entire story you literally know does that make a good trailer all i'm saying is 
you don't know what's going to happen in Wonder Woman because there is no story. Maybe there's a story. We don't know. So I have read a little bit about it. The movie comes out next year. I'm very excited to see it. The trailer is amazing. I will link it in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But Maureen is not as thrilled as I am. I mean, so. I'm going to see it. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. But it, I wasn't like so wowed by the trailer that like I can't contain myself. I was wowed. Okay, Maureen, the only other snack bag topic that I want to talk through tonight is that last Monday, the Golden Globe nominations were released. The Golden Globes are held at the very beginning of January. And I just want to look through a couple of these categories and sort of get your get your take. See if you've even heard of some of these movies. So we'll start with sort of like the big stuff here. Best motion picture drama. So as you might remember, the Golden Globes are split between the drama and the comedy films. So best motion picture drama, The Irishman, Marriage Story, 1917, Joker, and The Two Popes. Maureen. I've seen zero. You've seen I can zero. say 1917 seems like a war movie that's going to be sad and technically amazing, and I don't want to see it. The Irishman, obviously. You saw the trailer. You thought it looked amazing. Was you... that the mobster yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. So two of the, actually three of these are Netflix movies. So The Irishman, Marriage Story, and The Two you Popes. You said Marriage Story was depressing and about divorce. It is about divorce. Pass. And what was the last Joker. Oh, no, no, no. Joaquin. Joaquin, Looking scary. Yeah. Can't do it. So three of these are on Netflix, The Irishman, Marriage Story, and The Two Popes. Two of them are out right now. So The Irishman. The Two Popes, I'll see. Yeah, that's on Netflix. That'll be on Netflix on December 20th. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to take the cake here. Maybe we'll do predictions next week. But I think I think maybe The Irishman. I, th- I can see that, you know, Martin Scorsese's film sort of sweeping that category there. All right, Maureen. Best motion picture, musical, or comedy? The films are Dolomite Is My Name, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. Have you heard of any of those? Well, you saw Knives Out. Yes, I've seen two of these. And I've seen Knives Out Once and Once Upon a, a Time, Time in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Dolomite Is My Name is a movie with Eddie Murphy. That's also a Netflix movie, also out right now if you want to see it. I'm interested in seeing Jojo Rabbit as well. That's the anti-hate satire from Taika Waititi about this little kid whose imaginary friend is Hitler. I think it looks interesting. It's supposed to be very up, upbeat and, and heartwarming. Okay. I'm into heartwarming. Okay. So you're feeling okay about those. All right, Maureen, let's talk about the best actor in a motion picture drama. The nominees are Christian Bale for Ford versus Ferrari, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Any of these stand out to you? You haven't seen any of them? I mean, Christian Bale will probably win. He's 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 or the good. Pope guy, Jonathan Price. I actually think Joaquin Phoenix is going to win for Joker. Mm-hmm. People have been people have been very high on his performance. I haven't seen the movie yet. It is one that I will probably see when it comes out. Let's talk about the best actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Daniel Craig in Knives Out. Roman Griffith Davis in Jojo Rabbit. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Taron Egerton in Rocket Man and Eddie Murphy. Dolomite is my name. I, think, I vote for Leo. I think Leo will win this category. But mine is based purely on his performance in Titanic. So, <laughs> legacy in. I don't think that's how they make determinations. That's how I vote. All right, we'll just do two more categories here, and then we'll talk briefly about the TV nominees, because Golden Globes also this do TV. a hefty snack bag, Josh. Well, I'm trying to keep it small. This is more like a lunch bag. <laughs> a okay, brown right, bag right. lunch. We'll just do the best actress in a motion picture drama, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. You know I she really plays Judy see Garland. Harriet. Yeah, I want to see that too. I heard she was amazing. I really want to see Little Women. 
I know you do. You never saw the original. You have it doesn't to see matter. the original first. No, no. I'm going to see the new one first, and then I'll go see the 1994 one, and I'll compare them. I think that's okay. Saoirse Ronan is my favorite, and I think she should win every every award ever. She's not going to win this. Based on her performance in Brooklyn when you first saw her. I really, I really did like her in Brooklyn. All right. The last category we'll talk through here is the best actress in a motion picture musical or comedy. Ana de Armas in Knives Out, Aquafina in The Farewell, Kate Blanchett in Where'd You Go, Bernadette, Beanie Feldstein in Booksmart, and Emma Thompson in Late Night. Oh, you saw that one. Late Night was bad. I don't think she'll win. I mean, it was a cute movie, but it was just kind of too This cheesy. is an interesting category because I don't think any of these Though, people are going to be- Where'd You Go, Bernadette looked really good. I yeah. haven't seen it, but I wanted to. I want to watch The Farewell. That's the one about the family that sort of gets together when their grandmother is dying and they, they sort of stage a get-together- under the auspices of a wedding so that they can all sort of spend time together without having to tell her that she's dying. And Aquafina is supposed to be really good in that. Oh, yeah, that looked good, too. So we'll probably watch that. This is an interesting category because I don't think any of these people will be up for Oscars in the Best Actress category, but who knows? All right, so let's jump to the TV real quick, and I'll just go through the major categories here. So in the Best Television Series Drama, we have Big Little Lies, The Crown, Killing Eve, The Morning Show, and Succession. So I think this is the first time that there have not been any nominees in television series drama or television series comedy that are on network TV. So none of them are on network TV. Interesting. And then the best television series musical or comedy, we have Barry, Fleabag, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and The Politician. I'm tired of all of those. The Politician should win something because it's the only new thing. I think Fleabag will probably win. That's that's. You know, it won a lot at the Emmys. I'm still mad about Julia Louis-Dreyfus losing. Yeah, and Veep isn't even nominated for their last season here. it wasn't great. I thought it was pretty good. All right, well, we'll be tuning into the Golden Globes, and we'll have a instant reaction podcast the morning after it it happens. I don't know if Maureen will join me for that yet. She has guaranteed she will be on the Oscars morning after show. I said that? Yeah, yes, you did. (laughs) Mistake. That's the only one she's, she's... She's guaranteed that she's going to join me right after the Oscars airs. We're going to record a podcast and then we'll put it up. Okay, so I want to know, everybody, who is going to stay up for all of the Oscars and listen to our podcast next morning. Obviously, Michelle and Allison, two of our super fans, will be doing this. Probably. (laughs) They're like, no. (laughs) But but the point is, is that you don't have to stay up and watch all of it because we will. Or at least I will watch all of it. Maureen might take a little nap on the couch. Maybe you can record me. It's not. I usually like to stay up and watch the whole thing. It's the recording after. We could record record, during. Yeah, during like commercial breaks. So like take little pauses. Okay, we'll try that. We'll we'll come up with After the major categories. Yeah, we'll come up with some sort of Best actor, best actress, supporting, supporting, best motion picture yeah that's the end okay we'll, we'll talk more Best about director. that when we get to when we get closer to Those the, the only ones they care about okay when we get closer to the oscars which is at the beginning of february this year i forgot it moved up a little bit this year so that'll do it for the snack bag this week and now we're going to throw it to my conversation with my friend mike we talk all about star wars stick around for that and mike also joins me for the teasers so maureen i will see you next week signing off for our last episode of 2019 now over to the premiere topic all right, everybody, for our premiere topic this week, I am delighted to be joined by a good friend and former guest on the podcast back when we did the Game of Thrones preview before that mixed final season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm here with my friend Mike Wilbur. Mike, how are you? I'm doing just fine. <laughs> so as I teased on the podcast last week, we are doing a state of Star Wars in 2019 because 
We are just a couple days away from the release of Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, which is the final film in the nine-film saga of the Skywalker clan, I guess. The trilogy of trilogies. Yes, multiple trilogies. So I don't know if anybody needs a background on Star Wars, but I'll just give a short, brief background here. (laughs) But Star Wars is George Lucas's epic space saga that kicked off back in 1977 with the film A New Hope, which was actually the fourth film in in what I just said was the nine-episode saga that will culminate later this week. I don't know if you knew this, but A New Hope is actually one of the only ones to get major awards consideration, was nominated for, I believe, 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director. It ended up winning six Academy Awards, mostly in the technical categories, because it was very impressive technically at the time. But Mike, I want to start here going back to your first exposure to Star Wars, and then I'll, I'll give a little bit of my history on it. But when were you first introduced to Star Wars? What was the first one you saw? And do you have a, a vivid memory of your early Star Wars days? So the film debuted 10 years before I was born. Uh, So I I don't have any memories of, you know, seeing it in the theaters or kind of like clamoring for the the anticipated release of the next version. I I honestly don't remember my first exposure to it. I've been such a big fan of the franchise that it's just kind of felt like it's always been. And it was probably one of my uncles that introduced me to it. Uh, he's the same uncle that showed me Jurassic Park when I was six. And, Responsible uh, uncle. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but I, I do remember one of my, one of the earliest kind of awarenesses that I had as a kid of movies being like, not documentaries, but like real people acting yeah, yeah, yeah. out fictional stories. And that was when I got into Indiana Jones in the late 90s for the first time and was like, holy crap, that's Han Solo. <laughs> and so like then my, my mom explained it. She's like, well, that's Harrison Ford. He's an actor. And, and then like that, I, I knew by that time that Star Wars was obviously fake and probably at first viewing, but uh, it was just it was one like of those, a light bulb. That was probably that was probably my first like sentient pop culture moment in my formative years was like oh man, this actor that I loved in Star Wars is also Indiana Jones, which is an awesome series. And we won't go down that rabbit hole today. (laughs) Um, Another time. Yeah, but uh, I I think when the remastered special editions kind of came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, I remember going to see all of those in the theater with my mom. My dad was not super into Star Wars or or science fiction, uh, but she took me to see all of those in the theater and just remember getting those goosebumps of like, oh my God, this is on the big screen. Yeah, I think the special edition movies were my first exposure to the whole franchise. I think the first one they re-released in 1997, my memory might be misleading me there, but yeah, I saw all three in theaters the same way. And I just remember thinking, you know, I think for people who'd seen them initially, it was exciting because they'd updated some of the special effects. And even, you know, looking back, 20 years ago now, those special effects are very far out of date. But compared to the 1977 version, you know, the one I distinctly remember was the way the Death Star explodes at the end of... Spoiler alert. Sorry if you've never seen a movie that's... Josh, come on, man. 42 years old. But the way that it explodes in the original is just sort of like a poof of like dust. And in the special edition one, it was like this massive explosion. And so I remember seeing that in the theaters. And then, of course, 
you know, the prequels came out shortly after that. And I think they re-released the originals in anticipation of the prequels yeah. because the Phantom Menace episode one came out in 1999. And we'll talk a little bit more about those. There's a lot to say in, in just a little bit. Maybe there's not that much to say. <laughs> but yeah, and then I had the I had the special edition on VHS. And yep. then I would just, I would rewatch those over In that and over. trilogy box that like when uh-huh. you pulled out the case, yep. it made that little fart noise. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. exactly. I think it was gold, yep. gold and black. Yep, yeah, the special edition. So there was a gold and black version. There was a silver and black Ooh. version. Uh, one of them was widescreen. One of them was full uh, screen. Yeah. I think I had the full screen because this was back in the days when we had a boxy TV. Yep. All right. So Mike, where does this franchise rank for you in terms of like big movie franchises? Because you already mentioned Indiana Jones and now we've got like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. which is hugely expansive compared to even star wars so where does star wars rank for you uh it's a hard number one for me wow okay uh, like even amidst and i'm a huge marvel fan i've listened to the the several podcasts you guys have done on on those uh the various and many and varying films in that uh franchise indiana jones like i mentioned love those films uh, i even like the star trek films uh, which is kind of taboo to say for a, a Star Wars <laughs> nerd, but like they are much further down the list. Uh, Star Wars has just been a huge part of my life and my nerddom. I was going to say right off the bat, like you asked, uh, you were telling listeners, like you might remember him from Game of Thrones. And it was like, yeah, so I'm the resident nerd <laughs> yeah. when we're going to have these like sci-fi <laughs> discussions. We definitely need to have you on for a Marvel discussion because that would kind of complete the trifecta. That would be marvelous i like it yeah you know for me i i think about star wars i think when i was younger i had a a bigger affinity for the for the films for some reason as i've gotten older i still enjoy them i still like them a lot and and i think the difference though between star wars and something like marvel is that because there's such a wide time gap between when the first one was created and when the most recent one it's not even out yet and they're obviously going to continue to make more star wars things in the future there's a huge variance in quality so you know with the original films it's obviously a lot of nostalgia but not everything is perfect in those some of the acting leaves a little to be desired yeah, a little bit, the yeah. prequels while exciting because they were happening left a lot to be desired in terms of storytelling and sort of overall scope of what they could do i mean maybe it was the best they could do in 1999 but george lucas was quoted as saying jar jar is the key to everything so we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more about jar jar banks but there is a literal we'll find quote. out later this week <laughs> yeah exactly and then the new films have been sort of like a reawakening or, or sort of a reimagining while still sticking close to like the original so i think because of the variance in quality i'm, I'm tend to like the marvel films more and i think that they've done a really good job of really tying their universe together and i'm still a little unsure and we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a just a couple minutes how the most recent trilogy of films ties in exactly with the original trilogy and the prequels because this whole nine episode saga is supposed to be about the skywalker group so luke skywalker was the the hero of the main three movies anakin skywalker was the hero and then anti-hero of the prequels other than having Luke and Leia in the new films, we haven't really gotten a new Skywalker. And I, I I think we will have one revealed. Depending on how we want to go through this, like we could we could dive right into these ones. Uh, but Let, I, Let's talk the original okay. trilogy first to, to set people up in and, case and they... And just teaser, teaser for when we get there is Kylo Ren as a Skywalker. Oh, that is true. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I just didn't even think about him as... Yeah. as a Skywalker but so I guess I, I'll say up front before we start talking about the movies we'll, we'll be talking all about the plot points so if you haven't seen them 
and you're living under a rock, go see him first and then come back to this. You're probably not listening still if you don't watch them. But, <laughs> but if you happen to not have seen them, they're they're all worth checking out. If you have Disney Plus, you can watch seven of the main Skywalker ones. The only one you can't watch on Disney Plus is the most recent one, The Last Jedi, which is still on Netflix for like another month. And then it'll go to Disney Plus. So they're all readily available if you want to pay. I've got the Blu-ray if anybody needs <laughs> yeah, to borrow it. Exactly. So... All right, so let's talk about the original trilogy first. I think this, you know, it's the OG. 1977 was A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and then 1983 was Return of the Jedi. So I guess, what which of these is your favorite? Younger me uh, defied convention, and I would always choose Return of the Jedi, which is among purists widely considered to be the worst <laughs> of the original trilogy. Uh, I think it appeals to kids. And as a kid, like the thing that I remembered most about it was just the excitement of having three simultaneous battles going on at the end of like, you've got the, them down on the forest moon of Endor trying to kill the shield generator. You've got Luke in the throne room with Darth Vader and the emperor, like having this epic lightsaber and, you know, lightning finger battle. (laughs) uh, What a power. Yeah. And then you've got like outside of the death star, this, just awesome kind of starship battle between TIE fighters and X-Wings and all the A, B, Y, all of the wings. Yeah, yeah. And the Millennium Falcon just kind of like darting through the middle with Lando like back at the house. It's just, it was exciting. Yeah. And I just remember being like the last 40 minutes of that movie, just like on the edge of my seat of like, this is nonstop action. Yeah. And and the performance of the year in the Ewoks. Yes. Incredible. Yub nub indeed. <laughs> As an adult, I have definitely come around to the conventional wisdom of Purist, which is that Empire Strikes Back is the best film of the original trilogy. And I, I think it's one, just kind of like being a father now and, uh, you know, just having a little more world awareness and just the intricacies of what's going on in that movie with, you know, Luke battling with his own inner demons and trying to train, um, you know, meeting Yoda and all of his wonderful Yoda-isms. And uh, then, like, thinking of in the context of when the movie was released and that, that the, you know, spoiler, the plot twist of Darth Vader being Luke's father was just, like, earth-shattering to people. We're like, oh, my God! Yeah. Um, and you and that, at that time, you had to go see the movie. Right. There, there was no Twitter. There was no, you know, critique yep. that, that would spoil that online. So that thing back then was, was as you said, unconventional. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was out of nowhere. So, it, like, everything about that movie and, and just the, the diversity of planets that they visit is just a little more interesting than any of the others. You know, starting on like Hoth and going to Dagobah and Cloud City and getting to experience all these different worlds and, and the broader scope of the Star Wars galaxy is that's that was really your first exposure because most of uh, A New Hope takes place in space. Like yeah. you start out on Tatooine, you're in space for 80% of the movie, Yeah, briefly on Yavin 4, getting ready for the attack, and then it's the attack. Right. Uh, and then, you know, awkward, quiet throne room scene. <laughs> You know, the original film, A New Hope, is 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 really rather contained. You know, you don't think of it, you know, it's obviously a huge space saga, but when you go back and look at it compared to every other movie they've ever made, it's really a small story when yeah. it comes down to it. I mean, obviously, they're trying to blow up this massive weapon, the Death Star, but, you know, all in all, it's a rather small story. It's a, yeah. It's about just a few characters and a very simple mission, you know, 
to to blow up the Death Star, and that's kind of it. So I also wanted to ask, I didn't want to ask your least favorite film of the original three, because I don't know if there is a least favorite, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, like, what's your least favorite aspect of the original films? And I'll share mine first. Okay. I actually think that some of the acting is, it leaves a lot to be desired. And specifically with Mark Hamill, who plays Luke, I've always thought that he was, like, the weakest link of the main three characters, and it's unfortunate because he plays a huge... I mean, he is the main character in the the original films. And he also plays a major role in The Last Jedi, which is the sequel. So I always found that a little bit like, what if they'd cast someone else who was a little less whiny? And maybe it was the way the character was written. But I also always felt like Mark Hamill just sort of had like a little less talent yeah. as an actor. I, yeah. I like him. But, I agreed. But I- he was always sort of like... I, I wanted to ask you, is he a bad actor or the worst actor? <laughs> He's not the best actor. Uh, certainly not, you know, opposite Alec Guinness and, you know, Harrison Ford, Peter Mayhew and his uh, and Billy costume. Billy Williams. <laughs> uh, yeah, Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones, James like, Earl, yeah, just obviously. holy crap. Yeah. You know, Harrison Ford was not a big actor yet no. at that point. So, like, casting him was a gamble as well. And I think, I think Mark Hamill got better as they went along. Sure. But looking at the prequels, like Natalie Portman's a great actress. Yeah. Not in the prequels, she yeah. wasn't. Like yeah. she was terrible. Yeah, that's like, true. That's this true. isn't. She won an Academy Award. Yep. But she was like <laughs> she was Disney never Channel original one. movie, like in the prequels. Yeah, that's true. So it you know it swings both ways. I guess it has more. That might have to do more with the the writing. And sort of the direction. And, and that's a good pivot to talking about the prequels okay. briefly. <laughs> because, you know, I think George Lucas had always envisioned this as nine movies. And so he made the middle three first. And then he went back and did the prequels in the late 90s, early 2000s. Before The Phantom Menace came out, which was episode one. This was before you could see a trailer or preview on YouTube. People went to the movies, you know, a couple months before The Phantom Menace came out just to see the preview. And then they left. So ticket sales for whatever movie was playing were really high, but people were just going to see the two and a half minute trailer of The Phantom Menace. I mean, I I don't think we can maybe with, you know, one of the Marvel movies, Avengers Endgame, like the anticipation, but this was pre-internet. So I don't think it can be overstated the hype that was behind these movies and then how badly they were received critically. I mean, episode one, especially with despite having really good actors i mean it you know ewan mcgregor and liam neeson yeah. were like the two lead characters and it just it just jake falls a little Lloyd, flat you know. <laughs> jake Lloyd as young anakin um so i want to ask you about the prequels what went wrong like the the maybe the expectations were just too high but something clearly went wrong and maybe george lucas was just sort of off his rocker i think part of it is expectations were, were a little elevated um, and, and again, like I was already super into Star Wars at that point. So I was just, you know, giddy with anticipation, having missed the originals in theaters. Right. And we were right at the age where it was tailor made for yeah. almost teenage boys. And I think that was part of the problem. In the 70s, they weren't making movies for teenagers. Right. They were making movies for adults. And so the themes throughout the, the original the teenagers trilogy. teenagers could see. Right, yeah, but yeah. the but the themes throughout the original trilogy were geared more towards like a a fantasy genre, but from an adult perspective. Sure. Like Luke's nineteen or whatever in it, but you know Han is older. Leia is obviously the same age, uh, <laughs> and you know pulling in like Alec Guinness is like they were they were trying to appeal to an older demographic, right? And just kind of bring them along for the ride. And I think that that might have been part of kicking off that movement towards you know making 
films for teenagers that like John Hughes then capitalized yeah. on throughout the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Late nineties, early two thousands. They knew teenagers were going to see these movies. So right. regardless of whether the critics liked it or not. Exactly. Is we, we didn't care. Like yeah. we were going to go see lightsaber battles. Yeah. And, exactly. and that, that in and of itself is another issue. Hype was too high. The focus I think was more on the special effects and the capabilities yeah. of CGI in particular that he didn't have at his disposal but wanted in the originals. Sure. So it went completely swung away from the practical effects to almost an entirely CGI'd movie and right. like whole races of aliens and everything. And that was one of the coolest parts of the originals was just all of the aliens in the cantina were in makeup or costume or like, you know, mascot, whatever. Uh, but like the detail that went into that was sure. just made it feel so real. And then while CGI was good for its time at that point, everything was obviously fake. Let's not kid ourselves. It, uh, it wasn't great. I mean, it was okay. Right. But I mean, like there was no reason for Jar Jar or the Gungans to be CGI'd other than, okay, we're going to have a whole army of them and sure. makeup at that scale would be ridiculous. But like Jar Jar could have been a practically affected alien for the movie like sure. some guy in costume yeah you know for me i think it was a lot to do with the fact that george lucas had complete control and you might remember that he did not direct empire strikes back he did not direct the return of the jedi he wrote and directed the phantom menace he wrote and directed attack of the clones and he wrote and directed revenge of the sith yeah. and so i think that he just got it in his head that what i say is correct this is all to say he did create the the universe right so you got to give him some credit but it seems like he didn't allow collaborators to come in and say what might be best here, especially yeah. with regards to characters like Jar Jar Binks or casting of very like wooden people like Hayden Christensen as an adult Anakin Skywalker is a is a bad casting choice because he's not a good actor. Now, a lot of it could be that the writing is bad because there's scenes where he and Natalie Portman's character talk about how he doesn't like sand. Yeah. That's bad writing. Well, I mean, I mean like. It is coarse and it gets everywhere. And so, <laughs> I mean, so there are issues like that. But I think if you take it back to the, the story and you take it back to like the writing, if everything from there had been set, you could have improved vastly on the, the reception yeah. of the films. And that that might be part of the hype is that, you know, the originals were such a cult classic at that point and like the prequels coming back was you know he was he was given the opportunity to write direct uh and produce these things because you know it was all due deference to the creator kind of thing but you would have thought that at least after the second one they'd been like hey george maybe you bring in another director you know, yeah. I don't know let's talk about casting for anybody new well i guess the other thing we should mention is that now Disney owns Star Wars. Yep. Back then, Lucasfilm was its own thing. So I'm not sure who he would have to answer to at that point. So yeah. I think that's part of it. So before we move on from the prequels, do you find anything redeeming yes. about the, 100%. the prequels? Ewan McGregor was an awesome Obi-Wan and a very solid choice for a young Alec Guinness. So yeah, I agree. from a casting perspective, that was outstanding. I think uh, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn was a great casting choice having Samuel L. Jackson in there was hilarious in there. and uh, like with the, this notion of like introducing purple lightsabers. Cause up until that point, we'd only ever seen blue and green and red. Yeah. That introduced the opportunity for, and we'll get onto this later, but like the, the expanded universe yeah. kind of sagas and, and explaining all of this. Stuff. And I think Samuel L. Jackson 
requested a purple lightsaber. I think he yeah. requested something that was different than everybody yep. else's, which if you're Samuel L. Jackson, you can do, I guess, even if you're going up against George Lucas. You sure can. And then the last one that I thought was just as a kid and even to this day and the precedent that it set for the rest of the things was Darth Maul as a, a bad guy. When he ignited that double lightsaber, like people lost their minds. Yeah, it was cool. It was just like the coolest friggin' thing ever. Is like nobody ever conceived that you could have a dual bladed lightsaber. Right. Would it still work if you cut it in half? I mean, it did in the movies, but the physics of it. I guess I mean, it is coming from both sides instead of through the middle. Right. Well, and so the the lore would then go that he would have had to have two kyber crystals in uh, in each end to get a double bladed. Which you know, nerd. Is that, yeah, I'm getting it so <laughs> whole So technically, uh, I'll stop. Yeah. I think that your point about you and McGregor as Obi Wan. I mean. People liked him so much, he's going to get his own series now yeah. on Disney+. Plus. So I think that would be my pick for, for things that age the best of, of yeah. the prequels. All right, so let's move on to the sequels, and then I want to talk about sort of what is happening now and then the future. Yeah. So, so far, we've gotten Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Episode 7 was written and directed by J.J. Abrams. Episode 8 was written and directed by Ryan Johnson. I talked about on the podcast last week, his most recent movie, which is not Star Wars, it's called Knives Out, is amazing. It's totally different genre. I think he does better in like smaller films. Yeah. First of all, what are your thoughts on how this is going so far? Did you like the use of the original cast in in the sequel? So Harrison Ford played a big part in The Force Awakens. Mark Hamill played a big part in The Last Jedi. And, and Carrie Fisher was supposed to play a big part in yep. The Rise of Skywalker. But unfortunately, she passed away in real life. So I think they're just going to use some archival footage. But, but do you kind of like where they've taken the franchise? Yes, I do. That's not a super popular opinion, but I, I think that the new ones stand up very well. The and, and part of it is the nostalgia factor, and part of it is them getting back to kind of the basics of what made these stories exciting and, and interesting and fantastic, which was de-emphasizing special effects and re-emphasizing plot and, and, and character, character yeah, yeah. development. And so the... Like with Harrison Ford coming in, you know, The Force Awakens was, you know, like I remember seeing the trailer for that when it came out and just like getting goosebumps and then seeing it in the theater. And when he like, said, Chewie, we're home. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, I I almost cried. I yeah. was so excited. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I was so excited. It was yeah. just something that you've been wanting to see. And like him in all of his success that he has had since being in these films, coming back to reprise this kind of a role and and not half baking it was was pretty great and from a like from back, getting back to like the practical effects of like the aliens and the the settings and stuff and not relying so heavily on CGI for every little thing and CGI has gotten a lot better so they yeah, were able so to even get away with did, that yeah it, but it felt like it fit right but it, and and it was because it was layered with the practical sure. and it wasn't just the screen um and the the thing that I loved about Han playing such a large role in The Force Awakens is it it very nicely mirrored uh, Alec Guinness in uh, A New Hope of, you know, you've got the elder statesmen from the previous set of movies kind of kicking things off and passing the torch um, very literally of, you know, Obi-Wan gave Luke his lightsaber in A New Hope and having Harrison Ford, like, give the black, give his blunt, like, spare blaster over to Rey and um, you know, her finding the the lightsaber and like it getting handed to her now. And it was like, oh, is she this guy? Like, who knows still? But all of those elements, they worked for me. 
you know, I rewatched both of these before we did the podcast because I had I had not seen The Last Jedi again until I rewatched it. And I'd only seen The Force Awakens a couple times. I think The Force Awakens is a highly enjoyable movie. I think it's really well done. I think J.J. Abrams did a really nice job tempering expectations, but also providing something that felt new and fresh. And I thought that the people they cast, you know, in John Boyega and Finn and then Daisy Ridley playing uh, Ray, I think they and then Oscar Isaac playing uh, playing oh, Poe, yeah. you know, those are great additions. And, and some people might say, well, they were just sort of trying to make sure that there was diverse casting and we had a female lead. But I think it fits well in the story. It didn't feel like shoehorned in to me. And I think that that movie in particular does a really good job in in telling a good story, but also being entertaining. You know, with regards to The the Last Jedi, I like it. There is a lot of things about it that I really like. But I think where it sort of falters is that middle movie fatigue. You get a lot of extended training sequences between Luke and Rey on this sort of... That sort of mirror the Yoda and Luke stuff in The Empire Strikes Back. For some reason, when I was rewatching it, I just felt like, can we just speed through this? Like, this feels a little bit, you know not necessary to, you didn't to like be on green milk. No, that was a little bit <laughs> gratuitous. I will say the, the other thing that I really like about the, the sequels is using Han and Leia's son played by Adam driver, Kylo Ren as sort of like the main villain, because there's a deeper character connection there that makes you care about the character where as much as I like Darth Maul for all I know at this point, he doesn't have much connection with the other characters in the, in the Phantom Menace. Kylo Ren has a deep connection with Leia, with Han, with Luke, you know, so I feel, and with Darth Vader, so I feel like that as a villain, when you can have a a villain that has some depth, you automatically feel more connected. I'd agree, and so the, on the, on The Last Jedi in particular, I, I think it was not what it was meant to be, and because Carrie Fisher passed away, um, before that movie was released, they recut a lot of it. And so I, I think they reworked it to use footage that they had of her from my blog stalking. And I, I try not to look for spoilers uh, ahead of these movies. You could have bought the I, script actually, on eBay. I know. John but, Boyega left his script. I, but like, I like going into yeah, the yeah, cold definitely. because I, I don't, I don't want to, I want to, I want to enjoy it. I want to experience sure. it. And I love watching the trailers and just like getting that little tease. Yeah. But I don't want to read fan theories and like, oh, well that totally makes sense. Cause you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. But the the one thing that I got like just on my newsfeed and the like headline basically just spoiled the whole thing was the rise of Skywalker was supposed to be about Leia like yeah. it was supposed to be her film and like her Jedi powers that they kind of tease in the Last Jedi yeah which is alluded to even further back of. Uh, you know, like that boy was our last hope. No, there is another. Mm, yeah. uh, like before you find out Leia's his sister, if, you know, she would have been the last Skywalker. Uh, and and so like helping to that kind of rise and kind of handing that torch, I think would have been a su- successful and fulfilling end. So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. And that's that's one of the challenges of, you know, doing anything with humans is yeah, we're, exactly. we're mortal. I was going to ask you where you think it's going to go ultimately. And I anticipate they're going to shift towards a Ray focused story. It seems like a, a Ray versus Kylo Ren type of story, which they set up a lot in the last Jedi. I don't really know how Finn fits into all of this. I don't really know how Poe fits into all of this. I mean, the, those are major characters that will carry over into the rise of Skywalker, but it is a Skywalker 
saga. I mean, that's what they've billed this as. This is the end of that saga. So we're going to have to have some resolution. Mark Hamill's character, Luke, died apparently in the in the last jedi did he did he really who knows so I, i'm curious to see how they're gonna wrap this up uh me too yeah i i don't i don't know i, I think you know again kylo ren is he's a solo but he's also a skywalker right. and we still don't know about ray's origins but yeah. you know there, there's always the possibility that she's you know somewhere in the lineage or that it's it's not and you know it's just a kind of conceptually the rise of skywalker i think interestingly jj abrams said so he was not originally set to direct episode nine yeah the original director colin trevorrow who directed the jurassic world film Mm -hmm. he left the project due to what they call creative differences who who knows what that really means jj abrams came back on and sort of rewrote the script and is directed the the last film so i think it'll be good that he is sort of shepherding this into its you know, final phase, yeah. because he's been a big part of this whole sequel trilogy. We're going to move on to sort of what is out there right now, talking about the future and beyond. That brings us to the last piece of this, which is where where Disney is taking Star Wars now. And it seems like for the time being, they are focusing all of their efforts on TV series on Disney+. And the first of which was sort of the, the flagship launch series for Disney+, Plus called The Mandalorian, starring Pedro Pascal as the titular Mandalorian character. He's a bounty hunter in the vein of Boba Fett. They're basically the Spartans of space. You know, this warrior clan and, you know, the the armor is everything to them. And you like, you never take your helmet off. So it's very samurai kind of-esque. And one of them has this like sword that can fight with lightsabers. Like it can't be destroyed by a lightsaber. And it's just, which I'm hoping uh, reveals itself in The Mandalorian at some point. Yeah. So The Mandalorian is, I think, Star Wars's first... Or, or the Star Wars universe's first attempt to establish a story outside of really any connection. I mean, obviously there's connection in the lore and sort of the history, but we haven't seen any overlap of characters. We haven't really heard any mention of what I, th- I think what's happened. So as of the recording of this podcast, five episodes have been released of The Mandalorian. I think there's eight in the first season. So I'm interested to hear your take on this idea of establishing TV shows sort of and really expanding the universe as opposed to Rogue One, which is tied in and Solo, which is tied in and Clone Wars, which is tied in and, you know, all of those types of things. As uh, I think your listeners will have uh, established now, I'm a huge nerd and uh, I... I love this delivery of content and the Mandalorian thinking in terms of a genre for the, the kind of outcropping story as a Western is I grew up watching a ton of Westerns with my grandparents and just have a fondness for that genre. The Mandalorian series is so Western in its tropes and its motifs in keeping with the lore of the Mandalore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Mando lore. There we go. I, I, although I guess they, they were clan fighters, but getting the establishment of like this guild of bounty hunters and seeing an IG unit in the first episode, which, you know, IG-88 was kind of like a fan favorite kind of deep cut from Empire Strikes Back of like Darth Vader's assembled his bounty hunters and there's this one droid and everybody's like, oh, cool. So seeing one of those units in action and like spinning around and rotating and just taking everybody out was super cool. It's pulled in enough from the core universe to, I think, you know, fit very nicely into the, into this broader narrative, but is distinctively its own thing. And I'm, I'm really enjoying, despite not a whole lot happening yet, 
I think a lot has happened. Yeah, I have enjoyed watching the first five episodes that have been released so far. To me, it seems like the show is more a series of vignettes. Like each episode could stand alone as, you know, I think specifically about the fourth episode where the Mandalorian is on this other planet and he and another bounty hunter team together to defeat you know, some insurgents who are raiding a village. I mean, that's literally the whole episode. It didn't really drive the story forward at all, except to say that this character of the Mandalorian who has taken one of his bounties for his own to sort of protect it, and that is Baby Yoda. I'm sure you've seen plenty of memes about it at this point. (laughs) Even if you live under a rock, you've heard people talk about Baby Yoda. You know, to me, it's like the show is really well shot. It's really well made kind of strikes me at this point as like a little pointless a little bit like what is where's this going is there going to be sort of a larger narrative we only have three episodes left and by the time this podcast comes out it'll just be two, two. left so i'm just curious sort of and, and we so might not have an answer i, I have an answer oh he oh yeah here we go which is one of the the tropes of the western is your hero or your anti-hero depending on how you want to look at him is trying to find peace and and like peace to him never looks like what peace looks like to everyone else. And so that in episode, the the fourth episode of the series that you were just referencing in particular is, you know, there's this moment where you wonder, is he going to, is he going to settle down? Like, is he going to take his helmet off and, and cast all of that aside? And, you know, a shot rings out and it takes him all back to, no, I can't because this is the life that I chose and there's no unchoosing it for me at this point but that he was kind of ready to move on and leave baby yoda with these people he'd just made the planet safe for him and like that was going to be the the thing he did in his life that was redeeming is you know i i may be a terrible person mandalorian you know i i may have you know killed and stolen and cheated but uh my god i did one decent thing in my life and it was save this 50-year-old baby Yoda <laughs> and and like leave him in a peaceful place with people that are going to love him and raise him. And the the ending then of, you know, that shot ringing out of like, oh my God, did they kill baby Yoda? And like, oh no, she found him. And realizing, oh no, all of these people still have trackers for him. It's not going to be that easy. So it, it worked for me of just, and, and now in episode, the fifth episode, there is... We got to be careful of saying like episode five or yeah, yeah. episode people still tracking baby Yoda is like now kind of the gimmick of, well, now he's going to be just kind of on the run for a while. Right. I guess, I guess I like that idea in, in sort of small doses, but if we go through five seasons of like every episode, he gets a little far away and then someone catches up and then we do the same thing the next episode. I feel like that's going to tire quickly. So yeah. what I hope happens is that we see a little bit more of his background. We've seen very quick flashes of his childhood and and sort of what happened to get him to be a Mandalorian. And so I hope we see a little bit more of that. And I hope that there's a little bit more like continuity in some of the other characters, because besides the Mandalorian and baby Yoda, every episode has featured a different cast of characters. And I was kind of hoping that, and maybe we will see some come back into the fold, but right now it just seems a little bit like we get, we're getting all these vignettes and nothing's tying them together yet. So I'll be curious to see where this goes at the end of this season and, and how far it goes into future seasons as well. Yeah, same. And and I'm, you know, on that note, I'm also very much looking forward to the Obi-Wan spinoff show whenever yeah. that comes around. I think they said it's going to come out in 2021. So Ooh. got a little time to wait because they haven't 
they're writing and, yeah, and yeah. going to film it next year. But I'm also excited for that one. All right. So to wrap up this whole Star Wars conversation, which has been a lot of fun, I pulled together some rapid fire fun oh questions. I did not share these with Mike. So don't I, embarrass me. Just uh, just quick, just uh, just quick answers. First thing that comes to your head. First question. Mm. Why do stormtroopers wear armor? It seems pointless. Uh, space. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like literally any shot that fires against them, they die. No, it allows them to breathe. Okay. Like it's, yeah, it's not protection from, in that sense of the word. It's not body armor, it's elements armor. Even though in episode seven, The Force Awakens, John Boyega's character Finn just sort of takes off the helmet. It looks like it wasn't even attached to his head. Like it wasn't connected in any way. They they address it in Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Next, next question. Is Jar Jar Binks the worst character in the franchise? And if that's the case, is he the worst character in the history of movies? Mm, probably yeah he's pretty bad yeah he he's redeemed a little bit in the clone wars show like you actually get to like him a little bit and like his bumbling nonsense but yeah in in terms of why god why yeah (laughs) no one no one knows okay is pedro pascal the person who plays a mandalorian is he actually in the armor like the actor you think he is i do okay I, th- I thought maybe he's just providing the voice. They're pulling a Darth Vader and like, yeah. it's not actually James Earl Jones. I mean, in there. cause this is, it's not a hugely famous actor, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in game of Thrones. He and, was in and you saw Narcos. that he could move and do action. So like, yeah. I'm he's in there. Okay. It's about the right size. Sure. Yeah. Will he ever take his helmet off? Yes. We, okay. So you think we'll see him. You think he'll ever take his helmet off in the presence of another character or will Ooh. we, as just the audience see it at some point? I think we, as the audience might see it. I don't know if it's going to have, so again, like going back to the tropes, I would love for him to be able to take it off one day and like live a normal life, yeah. but he probably won't, but we will probably at some point get that glimpse. Okay. Cause we all know what Pedro Pascal looks like, yeah. which, which begs the question, why didn't they just cast someone you didn't know? Cause then it would be like even more mysterious, but like I watched the wonder woman 1984 trailer and there's Pedro Pascal. I'm like, I already know what he looks like. Like I've seen yeah. him a bunch of times. All right. Next question. How can everyone in the galaxy clearly afford so much Super expensive stuff. I mean, like, those ships must cost trillions of Imperial credits. Uh, I mean, no, like, not all of them. But, like, okay, think about think about the massive ships that appear in Episode 7 and 8. Where did they get all the money? The Empire already fell. Where is this money coming from? It's crazy. Uh, they, they also address this in Star Wars Rebels. Okay, of, like, I gotta the watch financing it. of these ships. So most of them this. are stolen. Okay. And so, like... But they, someone had to pay for them. Right. But think of the big ships as, like buses or like trucks of the they're in they're in use for a variety of things okay and so there are people building them and there are companies that kind of operate them rebels are stealing them okay the the empire probably commandeered most of them even the gigantic like death star how do they afford the death star um because they they're the government (laughs) they can finance whatever they want is it slave labor Probably. Probably. Yeah, that's, that's pretty Actually, sad. it's it's very well established throughout uh, most of the side series that there is a lot of slave labor going on yeah. in the universe. Okay, who's the best character in the whole franchise? <sighs> Ooh, Put you on the spot. That's rough. I mean, historically, my answer would be Han Solo. So I will go with Han Solo. Full arc from being this disbelieving, you know, uh, disillusioned smuggler to like, the force is real <laughs> kind of stuff was pretty solid. And I'm also pretty sure that he killed himself that Kylo didn't oh, kill him because like to get into Snoke's good graces, this is my theory. I don't know if yeah, this yeah. is actually supported. He needed to kill someone right. like close to him. And so he's like, help me uh, mm. on that bridge. Yeah. And like, as you see the move, 
people think that it's it's him like slowly i, I think it was harrison ford going like just do it oh, like yeah, i'll yeah. do this for you son yeah save his save his son yep interesting all right i think that hansel is a good choice and i think he's also a good character because he doesn't have any special he doesn't Abilities, he doesn't use yeah. the force he's just sort of a normal guy who sort of he's sort of like hawkeye yeah. Maybe a yeah. little cooler than Hawkeye. Yeah. But like his, his superpower is talking his way out of things. Yeah. And, and he's like, yes, I do. Every time. Yeah. All right. Who is the character who is least utilized, but could have been great in the, in the franchise? Wedge Antilles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh man. I love, I loved Wedge as a, he is the only named rebel pilot that makes it through the original trilogy. Like he's celebrating with them on Endor at the end. Everybody else dies that had a name, but he flew an X-Wing. He flew a Y. Like this guy was just quintessential rebel pilot. He's in one of the other like referenced in, in one of the other shows and in force awakens when there's like the, it starts out with Poe getting the map from this old guy yeah. in the tent. I wanted that so bad to be wedge because I thought like, Oh, that would be such a good callback. It's a real deep cut with the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. But <laughs> I, I was just like, man, I wish that Wedge Antilles had done something more. And like he's referenced by C-3PO of like, well, Captain Antilles told us to. And it's like he he at some point had custody of these droids as well. So like, yeah, I'd love to see a spinoff show of like Wedge going to the Top Gun for X-Wings kind of thing. Yeah. What is the best wing? The B-Wing. Oh, the B-Wing. And it is like, you want to talk deep cuts. <laughs> uh, the B-Wing, you can see in like one of the movies, I think you can see it in Re Return of the Jedi as they're like going going in for their attack. But in Star Wars Rebels, it, you get the backstory of this thing and then you get to see it in, an act in action. And I hope to God we get to see that thing like on screen in you know, a live CGI action. rendered yeah, yeah. kind of live action doing its thing because it's the weirdest looking ship. Do you, do you even know what the? B I don't. Wing? I don't think so. So I'll. I, I I'm familiar with the Y wing and the X wing. Y wing, X wing, A wing was in. I the, think I know what that one. Several looks of like. those. That's that's kind of a, a turtle ship. <laughs> um, Snow speeder is not technically yeah. a wing, but it you pretty, know, was pretty great. Was used yeah. by the rebels. Uh, but the B wing, like super maneuverable, very fast, and its firepower was like unrivaled but its fallback was then it couldn't go into warp speed so you'd, you'd have to uh you'd basically have to latch onto another ship oh, to yeah, go yeah. into light speed come out of light speed and then you could go on your attack run this is a good opportunity i said warp speed. To... that was a star trek I'm, <laughs> i apologize to myself first and to everyone else this is another opportunity to say nerd yeah yeah bring it on all right well that will wrap up the star wars discussion thanks mike for joining me but you're going to stick around for a teaser so maureen uh, will not join us for teaser which i'm sure she's very happy about because sometimes she's like i don't have a teaser this week so mike i'll let you kick off teasers this okay. week and then i'll share mine can i do two yeah please okay the one is super quick and it ties in star wars so this is like me easing out of star wars uh ties that into hamilton the musical Ooh, okay which is somebody has uploaded and if i were a good contributor here i would have oh, looked it's, up it's, and referenced it's them. the ringer the ringer website the, okay are you talking about dear baby yoda? yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah so there's this youtube video of these two guys singing a song that they've written called dear baby yoda to the tune of dear theodosia from hamilton and they they did a you know spoof of the entire song and it is so wonderful especially the uh, a line of uh, you outshine Tatooine's sun. 
both sons. And so I was like, <laughs> wait, it has two. Oh, you did it. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, for, for those of you following at home, uh, my Instagram is dad to uh, because I love Star Wars. I'm a dad and I have two sons. Because <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> that, that works on multiple uh, levels. Nerd. I like it. Um, so that's that's teaser number one is just if you've seen The Mandalorian and you've seen Hamilton or listened to the soundtrack, go watch that. It's hilarious. Yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, oh, yeah, the show notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, the jargon. <laughs> uh, and my other one is super far afield of all of this, and it is an audiobook. So I have a terrible commute here in northern Virginia outside of D.C., and uh, I get at least two hours in the car every day to meet just, uh, <laughs> just some mic time. <laughs> And uh, last last year, maybe 18 months ago, I subscribed finally to Audible because I, I have a few podcasts I listen to. The podcast. <laughs> Check it out if you haven't. I, I, but I wanted to start kind of listening to some books because I never had time to sit and read. I've got two small kids and a demanding job. So the book that I'm just, I've got like an hour left in it is called In Harm's Way. And it's a, it's a nonfiction about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis in World War II. Uh, which is the largest naval disaster in U.S. history. I, I had heard like stories about it and everything, but the the detail that they go into. So if, if your stomach kind of g- turns at, at kind of gory details, maybe skip this book. But I I find history fascinating and and kind of the history of warfare in particular, the human spirit that is just put on display through this this book and just the the unnecessary kind of carnage that happened to these sailors uh when their ship was was sunk and like they were adrift at sea for four days so it's again this is history so it's not so much a spoiler as you know look it up but (laughs) of of a crew of 1200 men on this ship and they haven't given us a final tally but it sounds like less than 300 survived the sinking and were adrift in the you know pacific for four days with no food no water and like shark attacks and just the the most horrific thing that you could imagine but it's such a captivating book and i think an important thing for people to understand our history yeah sounds good my teaser this week is also a book one that i read it is called astro ball so if you are a fan of baseball this is about how the 2017 astros were built sort of from the ground up because for those baseball fans out there you know that the astros were pretty terrible at the beginning of this decade in the early 2010s and it's it's sort of like moneyball if you're familiar with that book but this is specifically about the astros it was a little weird to read now because there's been some allegations about how the astros cheated in 2017 so that was a little bit strange but overall the way that they built the team was really fascinating I did not know much about the construction of the team or where, how they acquired their players or, or sort of raised them from their own farm system. And I'm a huge baseball fan, so I really enjoyed this. And I was able to stomach it because if, if the Astros had won the World Series this year against my beloved Washington Nationals, I don't think I would have read it. But after the Nationals won, I thought, I've heard good things about this book written by Sports Illustrated writer ben writer so i recommend the book it's really good all right so that will do it for this week thank you guys so much for joining us we'll be back next week with our last episode of 2019 Warren will be back for a full episode where we're going to run down our favorites 
from this year, and we will talk to you then. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Check, check, one, two. We already did that. Oh, sorry.